0: Welcome to Balanced Black Girl, a podcast dedicated to mental, physical, and emotional health from the black woman's perspective. Tune in to hear from black woman health and wellness experts giving the approachable advice you need to help you feel your best. I'm your host, Lestrandra Alfred. Let's dive in. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Balanced Black Girl podcast. My name is Les, I am your host. And I just appreciate you joining me in this space today. We are wrapping up our Reframing the Reset series, and the past six weeks have been some of my favorite episodes, to be honest. We have talked about some topics that are near and dear, and I feel like I've learned so much from our guests this round, and I always do, but just really opening our minds and opening up those definitions of what it means to be well has been so transformative, even for me as someone who participates in those conversations, and I hope that they have for you as well. So today's episode is going to be a solo. It's going to be a little bit different from some of the previous ones. It's going to be part personal experience, part, of course, sharing and takeaways for you. We're going to be talking about yoga. And I'd actually like to dedicate this episode to people who don't like yoga (laughs) or who have never tried yoga but feel like it's not for them or who feel like they're bad at yoga or are generally uninterested in yoga Yes, the topic of this episode is yoga, but even if you aren't a yogi, please stick with me because this episode is truly for you. And if you've had a yoga practice, but maybe you're out of touch with it and need a little help getting back to it, this episode is for you too. Really, this episode is for anyone, but I want to speak specifically to the experiences of people who are like, oh, I don't know about that yoga thing. I'm going to share my experience and journey as a yogi, as a reluctant yogi, how I stumbled into yoga and how it has impacted my life since then. I'm also going to talk about my experience in yoga teacher training. So from September through December 2021, I completed my 200-hour yoga teacher training and to say it was a life-changing experience was an understatement also going to talk about why yoga is so meaningful for black women and how even if you never step on a mat or do a single pose the way I truly hope you do at some point, you can still experience some of the amazing benefits and how the elements of yoga can be a meaningful ritual for you because this series was all about creating systems and rituals of well-being. So first I want to just share a little bit more about my yoga journey. Really dedicated to people who are bad at yoga because I'm I'm pretty bad at yoga. <laughs> I'm I'm not that good at it. I'm not that person who is impressive on Instagram doing all of these bendy poses and things. That is not what is happening in my body. And yet I have really learned to love and respect and appreciate yoga in so many ways. So I was initially introduced to yoga when I was about 14. Uh, Thanks to my magazine addiction as a young person, which really planted the seeds for content creation now that I reflect back on it. I had subscriptions to so many magazines when I was younger. When I was a kid, I had a Nickelodeon magazine subscription. Shout out to anyone who remembers Nickelodeon magazine. And then as I got a little bit older, that quickly shifted to teen magazines. That was like the J14. That was Teen People. That was Cosmo Girl. I'm gonna particularly talk about my Cosmo Girl subscription. One month when I was 14, the magazine featured a yoga flow. I'd never heard of yoga. I didn't know anyone who did yoga. I had no prior associations with yoga, but it was a really simple article that just depicted a short flow. It had pictures of a few poses, it had descriptions for how to do it, and then it listed out some of the benefits. I didn't know it at the time, but the flow that it taught was a basic sun salutation A or vinyasa flow. And then there were a few stretches for the hips and the low back. I think it was like a wide-legged forward fold, a pigeon, and maybe a low lunge. I actually feel, can't believe I remember that, but I'm pretty sure those were the few Additional poses, Uh, but I was interested and I wanted to do it because it listed the benefits as being good for your heart and increasing flexibility. Now, as I mentioned, I was 14 years old, and when I was 13, going on 14, my family had a really wild year. Earlier that year, my grandmother decided to move to Dallas. I don't fully know why no one else in our family lived in Dallas. We didn't really have people there, but I think she just wanted to be in a new city. She wanted to go. Um, And a year or two before that, she'd had a mild heart attack that she recovered from. Um, She was also a diabetic, but at that time her diabetes was pretty under control. So, you know, she'd had some health challenges, but nothing too major at that point. So off to Dallas she went. I don't remember how long she was in Dallas, maybe a few months. It wasn't that long. It really wasn't that long and she unfortunately had uh another heart attack and it was pretty big and she ended up needing a quadruple bypass and got really sick while she was there. So my mom went down to Dallas to take care of her uh when she had her surgery and recovered from surgery and my mom was gone for a while, I think About three or four weeks, like a a good chunk of time. And uh, unfortunately, from that point on, that would really be the beginning of continuous, very serious heart problems for my grandmother for the rest of her life. Uh, But after that surgery, she recovered. She comes back to Seattle with my mom and her and uh, my aunt, her daughter, who's actually younger than me and is more like a cousin because she's younger than me. I just Always refer to her as my cousin, but actually, she's uh, my aunt. <laughs> I think she was like a, maybe 10 or 11 at the time. Uh, they came back to Seattle from Dallas and they move in with us. And that was just such an interesting time. On one hand, it was really hard. It was really scary that my grandmother was so sick, and I was old enough to understand how serious it was. And I remember feeling just really scared. And I also remember really feeling for my mom because she had so much on her plate. One minute she had kind of her regular life and groove and, you know, own two kids that she was taking care of. And then all of a sudden it was like, we had a very full house and it was quite the transition. But I also reflect on that time with a lot of fondness because during that time I got really close to my grandmother and Though she's no longer with us, when I think about some of my favorite memories with her, I actually think about memories from that time and just how funny she was and just the ridiculous stuff that she would say and how much fun I had with her each day. And so that time was definitely hard, but it also had some of my fondest memories with her. And so that was just a lot. This all happened the summer. I turned 14, so the summer of 2003, kind of right as I was going into high school, and that's what was going on in my 14-year-old world. I was living in a very full house with a lot going on, and I was very aware of health and very aware of mortality and heart health and just being really scared for my grandma and also not wanting the same fate, so... Right in the middle of that time when my monthly Cosmo Girl comes to the house and tells me that yoga is good for your heart, that was all my fourteen year old self needed to know to start doing yoga. Like I want a healthy heart. I don't I don't want any more of this to happen. And back then there weren't really the images of yoga that came in the following decade. I, I kind of read it in that magazine and didn't have many hangups about it. There was no Lululemon that made us feel like we needed expensive clothes to do it. You know, it wasn't like there was a yoga studio on every corner that was full of people who didn't look like me. I think that article had a white girl doing the poses, but at that time I was like, I just want a healthy heart and I can do this at home. So at that time there wasn't, you know, strong messages Telling me that yoga wasn't for me. And I feel a lot of gratitude to have coming, to have been coming from that position uh, as I started learning about the practice. So I followed the directions and the flow in that magazine, teaching myself the sun salutation A and those lower body poses. And that was the beginning of me and yoga and our relationship. So I was doing that pretty regularly, kind of going through that flow, kind of in my room as a teenager, and a few months later, I find this book that my dad bought, which he 100% bought for himself, and I quickly co-opted and decided it was mine, so... Because when you have kids, they just take your stuff. And uh, the book was called The Introduction to Yoga, Meditation, and Pilates, or something, something along those lines. I've talked about this book on the podcast before because it was a really big catalyst in my well-being journey. He definitely still has the book somewhere in the house, and I need to find it the next time I go home. But... This book really took things to the next level for me because it went pretty in depth on kind of the basics of yoga and Pilates, a little bit of the history. The benefits of those practices had, you know, like a pose library and a few more uh, flows in there. And then it also introduced me to the idea of meditation. And so my interest had been really piqued by that Cosmo Girl magazine and that flow that I had practiced that felt really good. And then this book just truly fed the appetite and I was super into it. And I remember time I had some discomfort in my body or ailment or felt overwhelmed, I would just go to that book and I would look up what yoga pose I needed to do to feel better. So I'd never taken a formal class, but I was already beginning to see yoga as a support system and as a resource. I remember another time, a little bit later, this was maybe a couple years later, i I was like really full. This is going to sound like a weird story, but I ate too much. I don't know the context. I just remember being at home. I was probably about 16 and just being so full and uncomfortable and looking in the book at what it said about digestion, doing some of the poses, which I'm pretty sure were some twists, uh, feeling way better and thinking, okay, there's something to this yoga thing. I'm into this. So a few years later, when I went to college, I had the chance to take yoga class as a PE class my very first semester, and I jumped at it. And for my school at that time, that was a very abnormal thing. Freshmen never got into yoga, especially first semester. But a few days into school, a few people dropped out. Normally it was always all seniors because they always had first dibs at picking the PE classes. So I was just magically able to get in, which honestly, I think was a serendipitous event. I don't, freshmen do not normally get into that class. So I took my broke little self to Target <laughs> bought a really cheap mat and started taking yoga classes when I was in college, two days a week at uh, the gym, at school. And it was such a positive experience. It was my first time going to classes. I'd never taken an actual yoga class before, but because I had that foundation of knowledge from self-study, I felt pretty comfortable. And when the instructor told us to do certain poses, I knew what they were. I knew some of the general shapes and, I was absolutely surrounded by privileged white people, but I didn't really care because I was so rooted in my own practice and my own mat and what I was getting from it at that time. And my very first semester in college was actually far better than any other semester. And I recently made this connection that I think taking those yoga classes had a lot to do with it. My first semester, more than the rest of my time in college, I had this confidence that I don't know where it came from <laughs> and calm. And even though I was barely 18. I turned 18 like a few days before I went to college. I was so young and I was so rooted in who I was and my identity. And I think having that time and that space to get quiet and tap in through my yoga classes really provided that. And when the semester ended, my time in that class ended and my yoga practice just kind of went away. Um, I didn't have, you know, I didn't have that book, didn't have my magazines. (laughs) And the rest of my college experience, low key, went up in flames. (laughs) How my school worked is I wasn't able to take that class more than once. And I didn't really have any other resources to help me continue with my yoga practice like yoga studios were not something I could afford YouTube on yoga wasn't a thing this was 2007 like that wasn't you know you didn't have all the channels and the resources you have now Um, and I just started getting really into college and really into partying and boys and I got distracted and I lost sight of yoga for a few years and with that, I got really lost mentally, emotionally. I mean, the rest of my college experience was really, really traumatizing. And I'm not saying that if I would have been doing yoga that, you know, certain things wouldn't have happened, but I do think that I would have had more tools to better deal with those things. And that foundation, that confidence, those firm roots I had and who I was got really lost because i did not have that time for stillness and getting quiet and going within and I didn't do yoga for quite some time after that, pretty much the rest of college. I would occasionally pop into like a yoga class at LA Fitness to stretch, uh, but I was definitely missing the mindfulness element. And around that time, I started getting very into other aspects of fitness. I became a trainer. I started focusing more on that side of things. I started strength training. I got really into running. And so yoga kind of fell off my radar for a few years. Then in my mid-20s, I started coming back to the practice. I was training for a half marathon, which, you know, this was this was a past life for real, because me doing a half marathon, let me tell you about things that you probably will not ever see happening again, is that. Uh, and the training program that I was doing to prep for this half incorporated two days of yoga per week. And, you know, by this time I had come a long way from, you know, the books that I was following in the nine nines and the two thousands. So, you know, I had a job, I was living in the city, I was doing all right. So I got a core power membership. There was a core power right down the street from me, got a membership there and started doing yoga again. And again, it had a really profound impact on me. At that time, my relationship with fitness and my body wasn't great. I was all about pushing myself to the absolute limits, and I was feeling just really lost in life, piled as much as possible on my plate to cover up how miserable I was. And yoga was the one thing that was bringing me back into some sort of balance. So half marathon comes and goes, and I continued doing yoga. And I realized that I was seeing improvements, even in the strength training that I was doing, not because I was getting stronger, but because I was moving better, because I was focusing better and because of that stillness that came from doing yoga and, uh, you know, I continued in my yoga practice for a while, and that was when I started really prioritizing balance, created The Balance Fairy, my old blog, which would later become Balanced Black Girl, and again, it was a pivotal point. Um, and then, a few years later, Uh, because I'm hard-headed, I stopped doing yoga again because my budget got tight. Uh, I was kind of associating it with being expensive. I'd gotten really used to that studio experience. And uh, so I thought, okay, if I could no longer afford my Core Power Black Tag membership, then I couldn't do yoga. Or also for a while during that time, I worked at Lululemon. And so I had access to, you know, a lot of yoga gear. And when you work at Lululemon, they... Pay for you to take workout classes and do those things. So I still had access to that stuff. And when I left that job, I didn't have, you know, the discount anymore. I didn't have the yoga classes paid for anymore. I just kind of stopped, uh, which none of those things are necessary for yoga practice. And I knew better, but I wasn't doing better. Um, and again, following the same pattern, the wheels were falling off the bus (laughs) by this time i was in my late 20s i was in my saturn return my job situation my finances were a mess my mental health was a mess i had a long-term relationship ended and was messy um my grandmother uh, the the same one from the beginning of this story, uh, passed away during that time. And I was in a state of grief. My anxiety was through the roof. And again, I'm not saying that any of those events occurred because I wasn't doing yoga, whether or not I was doing yoga, that was how life was going to play out. But because I refused to get quiet and get still. And for me, yoga has been the best way to do that. I personally handled those situations very horribly and, made them worse than they probably should have been. So I started doing a little bit more yoga here and there, which uh, was helpful. It it wasn't probably as often as I could have been doing it to really see the benefits that I like to see in my mind. Um, But, you know, it was helping me get by. So fast forward a year or two later and I move to Los Angeles and there was something about being in LA that just made me want to do yoga. I I moved here and I just started craving it. I loved how much yoga there is here, how many options there were. And I wasn't just going to studios with all white people. In fact, now I'm able to go to classes that mostly have black and brown people. And there were black instructors. And I was like, whoa, this is not the core power in Ballard anymore. Like, Yes, I'm into this, please. Uh, and I really rededicated to my practice at that time. Uh, and then the pandemic happened. And that Would have been a really great time to use my excuse of not being able to go to studios like I'd used in the past in college and after college to stop practicing. But I actually handled it really differently that time. I recommitted to a home practice, which was something that I hadn't done since I was a teen. And it has really become a pillar in my life over the past two years. You know, in my 20s, I thought, okay, Once I started taking yoga classes, it had to look a certain way. It had to look like me going to a studio, doing yoga in this structured class for an hour and sweating and whatever. And by dedicating myself to a home practice, I realized it didn't have to be that at all. I realized that I actually had it, not had it right, but had a better idea of it as a kid, as a 14 year old kid doing it when I felt called to doing it at home with what I had. And I really came back to my 14 year old self. And it's been such a big pillar in my life over the past two years that I've really been able to dedicate myself to my practice really consistently and in a really amazing way. And so I was like, okay, I need to learn more. I've been doing this off and on for half my life, but I truly want to understand the ins and outs Maybe I'll teach one day, but for now, I just really want to learn more and I want to deepen my practice. And so I signed up for yoga teacher training and I didn't sign up for like a basic yoga teacher training. (laughs) I knew that I couldn't go to any kind of ho-hum studio and learn about like yoga, cultural appropriation. I really wanted to have a solid education. Um, And so I learned about the training I took through a friend who had taken some trauma-informed yoga workshops. And through her, I found The Tree, which is a yoga co-op based in LA that offers inclusive, social justice-informed Uh, trauma-informed yoga teacher training. And I was like, yes, this is exactly what I need. This is what I want. This is what I am looking to have. And it has been such a beautiful, challenging, transformative experience. And I know that I've mentioned that I was doing it in most episodes throughout this series, because it just has been such a big part of my life, mentally, physically, time-wise. But in getting to talk a little bit more about it and reflecting on that experience really has been so transformative for me. I got to do it alongside wonderful people. Almost all of us in the training were black and brown uh, and are people who want to bring yoga to those and to communities that may not have access. And my mind and world and practice have evolved in so many ways, not only from the start of training, but from that 14 year old with her issue of Cosmo girl. And when I first went into training, I was like, I just want to learn. I don't know if I'm going to teach. I don't know what that's going to look like. And now having just finished training, I actually really loved the experience of practicing teaching others. It brought me back to my old fitness days, but in a far less triggering way. And every time I practice teach someone, and I've really just been practiced teaching family, friends, and then you know my fellow uh, students in the training, I've really loved it in ways that I didn't think I was going to. And so now I'm exploring what. Uh, teaching and sharing yoga could look like. And I don't know if I necessarily see myself being at a studio and having, uh, you know, a weekly class, but I do see myself bringing a lot more of yoga here and with you all. That's that's who I really want to share it with. Um, So that is kind of been my experience of my yoga journey so far. And I know that the journey is just beginning, that has largely been my journey of personal practice and now stepping into this role of teacher and continuing to learn more and continuing my education, I feel like I'm just getting started. But now I wanna talk a little bit more about why black women and yoga are a match made in heaven. Like why I think it's amazing that we do yoga, And, uh, I want to talk about that a little bit more, especially if you're someone who has been hesitant to do yoga, just hoping that sharing my experiences, um, can be, you know, a helpful guide or resource to you. So a couple of things, and you know, these are all things that I've come across in my own practice, as well as, you know, in talking to others about yoga. Uh, first is that if you have some hesitation around yoga, maybe you're like, listen, The people I see who do yoga are hippie. And if you're like, I'm a city girl, I'm a material girl, that's okay. Me too. I also (laughs) err more on the city girl, material girl side of things. I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm much of like a hippie dippy granola kind of girl. You don't have to be. You can do yoga as you are, where you are however you are, because it's really about connecting breath to movement, breath to thought, and being exactly where you are. You can be exactly where you are, exactly how you are. You don't have to do anything different. You could still be you. You can do you. You can wear deodorant. You cannot wear deodorant. It's like whatever it is that you want to do. The whole point of yoga is really being you and connecting to your breath from where you are. The other thing, even if you are not out here buying $100 yoga pants, also same. I mean, like I mentioned, I used to work at Lululemon. So after getting that discount, now life after the discount, I'm like, I can't, I can't fathom, I can't do it. And Instagram and capitalism and the wellness space can tell us that we need those things, that that is what is ne- necessary to partake, and it is not. They are saying that to sell you things, and sometimes it's okay to sell things and to buy things if that's what you want, but please do not be discouraged if that is not where you're at or if that is not what you want, because that doesn't even matter. You don't need a $100 yoga pants. You honestly don't even need a mat, especially if you're practicing at home. You can truly be right where you are. You can wear what you wear. You can do what you do and still participate and get the benefits. The next thing, and I have felt this, you can still do it even if you aren't flexible and can't do these wild, crazy pretzel poses. So, confession I'm not flexible. I just told y'all my whole story about how I've been doing yoga since I was 14 and I'm now 32 and I'm not a bendy queen because that's just not the way my body likes to get down. Now, I've absolutely improved my flexibility and I've created more space in my body and I can definitely move better when I partake in practice. But being able to do the wild and crazy pretzel things that are all over Instagram not necessary. In fact, I actually think that you get so much more out of yoga when you aren't super flexible because you don't have to exert as much energy to feel sensation. And actually I think yoga can meet you where you're at a lot better when you aren't as flexible. This is also what I tell myself to feel better about me not being flexible. Um, But I would say your breath is so much more important than how flexible you are. And that that will improve over time. So if you think you can't do yoga because you're not flexible, that is actually the exact reason why you should be, and you will actually benefit a lot more than someone who is super flexible. Although if you are super flexible, you can and should still do yoga too. Um, and lastly, I just want to talk about yoga's capacity for healing, that it can be a very powerful healing modality. Now this is not medical advice and I cannot make any medical promises around, you know, physical healing or anything like that. Um, but I can say that when we're able to get still and to get quiet and to connect with our breath and to be present in the present moment, I think we can see things that we often can't see if we are disconnected from our breath, if we are busy, if we are not in the present moment. And when we're able to be present and truly see what's around us and see the possibility around us, that is when we have greater capacity to heal. That is when we have greater capacity to receive what can help us heal. And for me, again, as I explained in my story, there is such a correlation between when i am feeling solid and when i'm able to handle the difficult stuff life is throwing at me with grace and you know care and then there's times when the wheels fall off and the times when the wheels fell off was always because i did not have space to get still and practice compassion with myself so if you also struggle with finding ways to practice compassion with yourself, yoga can be a really great system to help you do that. I also want to talk a little bit about yoga being a part of our DNA. So yoga originated with us, with black and brown people. And over the past 10 to 15 years, the marketing of yoga and what we see on on social media around yoga is not a very accurate depiction of the history of the practice and the history of the philosophies of the practice. So I think for a lot of us in the West, we're very familiar um, with The yoga that we practice has been greatly influenced and largely developed in India, which is why many classes you will hear Sanskrit terms. um, And that is because with Indian yoga, sacred texts were preserved and are what really guide the study today. And in addition to that, there are also some very important roots of yoga that also come from Africa, specifically Kemetic Yoga. So Kemetic Yoga is the ancient Egyptian system of yoga based on the practices of physical movement uh, combined with breathing and meditation. It was used to come to enlightenment and poses of the comedic style of yoga, uh, were found on the walls of pyramids and in figures from that time, tens of thousands of years old. So imagery from those poses inform comedic style yoga. Uh, even though outside of the imagery, we don't have as much documentation of the philosophy to accompany this style. So it's a part of our DNA. Right. And when we're able to tap into that, we're able to come home to ourselves in a really beautiful way. So, you know, the capitalism and the marketing and the visual depictions of what we're told yoga is and who it's for is false. And we can't let consumerism and capitalism and marketing swindle us out of experiences and practices that are rightfully ours to participate in and benefit from just as much as anyone else. So that is why I think black women in yoga are a match made in heaven, okay? (laughs) So now I wanna talk a little bit more about yoga that has nothing to do with stretching because you may be like, Les, I love this for you, but I'm not doing all that. And that's okay. Actually, I want to talk about why yoga is so much bigger than what you may think of as yoga. So asana, which is a Sanskrit term for posture, refers to the physical practice. And that's what many people in the Western world think of when they think of yoga. That is being on the mat, that's doing your stretches, going to a class or whatever. But asana or that physical practice is actually only one limb of yoga. There are seven other limbs. There's eight total limbs of yoga. So that's actually one small piece of it. But again, a lot of focus has been on asana because that's what's easy to market. That's what's easy to sell. That's what's easy to package. So that's what our society is really latched onto. But there's so much more to it. The term yoga is derived from uh, two yoke, which means in union. So in the physical practice, that's why movements are often paired with breath, but that union can be with anything, okay? You can practice yoga and the idea of yoga without doing a single stretch, though I'm a little bit biased. I hope you do maybe engage with the physical practice if you feel called to, but you don't necessarily have to right? Like I mentioned earlier, yoga can be, and for many people is a tool for healing. So connecting breath to movement, getting still, right? Creating that union between mind and body, creating a sense of calmness in the mind, even getting in touch with your breath, that life force, right? Considered pranayama, giving yourself the gift of stillness, being present in the moment and understanding what's going on with your body is all yoga. So even if you don't do a single stretch or pose, sitting and getting still and closing your eyes and breathing and allowing your heart rate to come down if you're in a moment of stress, that is yoga. Laying in a warm room and just catching your breath is yoga anything that you can do to feel connection between your mind body and breath is yoga So the part of yoga education that has been particularly impactful for me has been learning about the yamas and the niyamas. So yamas are considered restraints and include non-violence, truthfulness, non-stealing, non-excess, and non-possessiveness. And niyamas is a Sanskrit term for observances, so things we want to practice, which include purity, so not... I don't mean that in a, in a sexual way, but more so purity of intention, uh, contentment, self-discipline, self-study, and surrender. And looking at how applying all of those things to our daily lives can occur on the mat if you choose and ripple out beyond that. It can occur in your mind, in your interactions, how you approach your work, how you approach each day. But when you think about those terms again, right, you think about restraints, non-possessiveness, non-excess, self-discipline, self-study. That sounds a lot like the conversations we've been having over the past six weeks about systems, right? Systems, non-violence. When we we think about our conversation with Lauren Level about movement and safe spaces for movement, and being kind to ourselves and not judging ourselves, not judging our bodies. That's an act of non-violence. The most violence we commit is towards ourselves when we judge and talk down to ourselves, right? We think about non-excess and non-possessiveness that very much relates to our uh, conversation about clutter and and not feeling overwhelmed by mental, physical, and digital clutter, right? We think about purity. What's more pure than having your body in tune with nature, like we talked about with Raven, huh? When we think about surrender, right? What's a better surrender than listening to your intuition and being in touch with your creativity, like we talked about with Ariel, okay? So you can see these parallels between so much of what we talked about with creating these systems and the principles of yoga, which is why I am like nerding out and my mind is blown and I could talk about this all day, but I don't want this episode to be too long. So I won't, (laughs) but it's why I had to share it with you because it is something that is for you that you can participate in if you so choose. My yoga practice has really reframed my reset and influenced how I move, how I treat myself, how I treat others, and I look forward to continuing to share that practice with you. And this episode was really important for me to bring to the podcast because I'm really excited to offer more yoga and meditation offerings and options through Balanced Black Girl later this year, especially as I continue my education. And I, I didn't want that to come out of nowhere. I wanted you to understand how I got to that point and why I'm sharing about these things and telling my story and then also hoping to loop you in and meet you where you're at uh, in relation to coming. Coming to the practice was really important for me to do. When we think about why yoga is also something that people maybe try and they don't like, I think a lot about my relationship with breath work. (laughs) I know I talked about this in the intro uh, to last month's Rewind about connecting to the breath. Breath work is so hard for me. And because it's hard for me, that's why it's something that I want to continue practicing and trying. There's something about breathing that deeply and that intentionally that is really challenging. That's an invitation for me to get still. And I think with yoga, for a lot of people, it's the same thing, right? They're used to going hard. They're not used to being that still. And yoga has some breath work elements, but it's a little bit different than doing like conscious connected breath work. But even some of the yogic breathing is just like, whoa, this is intense. This is too much. I don't like it. This is too slow. And I encourage you, if there is a practice that you feel is too slow, or you're just like, uh. I'm not into it, whether that be yoga, whether that be breath work, I invite you to lean into it. This year, we're all about reframing and I want you to reframe maybe your thoughts and some of the things that you rejected and to see if you can come at them from a new or different perspective because it just might surprise you. We are closing out the Reframing the Reset series with this conversation. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this series and that the episodes and challenge have helped you feel rooted and affirmed in this new year. 2022 is still young. There's so much ahead of us and I look forward to making the most of it with you head to the show notes for more resources and information about today's episode and links to keep in touch with me and to be in the loop about all things Balanced Black Girl. Although the re- reframing the reset challenge is officially over, the reframing the reset dashboard with all of the resources from uh, the series lives on. So if you have not yet downloaded the reframing the reset dashboard, you can go to balanceblackgirl.com slash reset for notes and resources and journal prompts and exercises and support to help you have your best year yet. Thank you to our sponsors who make this show possible. Make sure you head to the show notes for exclusive offers and discount codes from our brand partners. Thank you for tuning in and for your thoughtful ratings and reviews. They really mean the world to me. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Next week, I'll be back with a brand new series on magic and manifestation. And when I say you don't want to miss it, I mean you don't want to miss it. Make sure you're subscribed on your podcasting app of choice so you can download the new episode as soon as it drops. Talk to you next week. Thank you for tuning into Balance Black Girl. If you enjoyed this episode and feel called doing so, we would really appreciate a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to check out the show notes and more offerings at balanceblackgirl.com.